All right, welcome everyone to the Human Apologetic Show, where we talk all things regarding Christianity, atheism, and all kinds of other beliefs. Today, I am with Randolph Richardson. If you do not know who Randolph is, he is the president of the Canadian Atheist. He's also one of the nicest people and shows the truth that Canadians are probably the nicest people in the world. Uh, Randolph, how are you doing? Wow, that's uh, that's a fantastic introduction. Thank you, Zach. Um, I, I assure you, the feelings mutual. I, I really enjoy dealing with you as well. We we had a, a debate uh, in modern day debate uh, a while ago. It was last year or year before, and uh, a conversation broke out. <laughs> so it, I, I thought it was uh, quite pleasant, uh, quite a pleasant interaction. I really enjoyed it, and I'm just really really delighted to be on your show today. This is uh, I, I, this is kind of like an honor to be part of all of this and uh, to to have your interest. So thank you very much. Uh, yeah, we've got some rainy weather here if you're asking how it's going. So so the air is fresh. So I, I hope that means I'm thinking clearly today. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I can take advantage of your non-clearing thinking. Uh, not at all, actually. So for, in case you for those of you who do not know uh, my interactions with Randolph in the past, this is not going to be some sort of heavy debate where we go at each other for the next 80 minutes. It's going to be a more casual conversation. I'm coming in, into this trying to learn about Randolph, what he believes. He's going to hopefully just be doing the same. And it's going to be a, a lighthearted, but we're going to talk about some of the issues and questions. Uh, yeah, that's going to be basically it. So if you want to talk a little bit, just to start off, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, kind of like what the Canadian atheists are, um, things like that. Certainly. Uh, my name is Randolph Richardson. I am a Canadian. I was born here. Um, all my life I've been, I've never believed in any deities, so I've always been an atheist. And I recently, about three, four, maybe five years ago, I'm not quite remembering the exact date, uh, I founded the Canadian Atheists because I want to uh, normalize uh, atheism in society. We do pretty good here in Canada already, but I, I have kind of noticed there have been some people who have been working a little bit against that and so and I see it in in their attempts to vilify us unfairly so I'm trying to be the voice that counters that not not trying to stop people from doing it but just trying to be a voice that counters it so that people will hopefully think twice before doing something like that uh, because I want to uh, I want it to be where when somebody says they believe in a god or or any number of deities where the response is normal that uh, atheists receive the same kind of response when we tell people we don't believe in any deities. I'd just like it to be normal uh, for everybody this way because I, I believe that uh, personal beliefs that people have are everyone's entitled to whatever they want to believe and we should definitely be supporting that. Yeah, so what is kind of the goal behind the Canadian Atheists uh, when you created the Canadian Atheists? What's the purpose of it? Well, we are very concerned about uh, people's rights to uh, to associate with a group or to not associate with a group, and uh, their and people's rights to freedom of expression, freedom of thought, freedom of opinion, and all these sorts of things, which I think are mutually beneficial to everybody. Uh, overall, these things I believe are are very good for society because when people are are free to question and free to believe and free to explore different ideas, uh, the end result and free to debate ideas uh, the no matter how contentious they are, the end result is that we come to better understandings uh, in the long run and we can all enjoy the benefits of greater progress. So these are the kind, in a way, indirectly I'm working for that, um, but one of our, our main goals is to, to normalize atheism, normalize not believing in deities, and uh, normalize and, and 
counter the, the vilification efforts which are unfairly put forth. Okay, uh, so talk just a little bit about, because people can describe being an atheist as different things. What does it mean to you that you are an atheist? Well, to me, it, it means that I don't believe in any deities. It doesn't mean that I have justification for it. If I have justification for that, that is a separate matter that's incidental to it. Uh, it could be skepticism, it could be a belief, or it could be even formed on a, on a disdain for the idea. Some people are like that. Uh, for me, I just don't happen to have a belief. I don't have a justification for it. It's just the way I am. But I, because uh, I believe very much in, in the freedom of, uh, of things, uh, the freedom to believe things or not. So, um, so I, I take that very literally. So there are people who do define the phrase differently, and it is a polysemist word. So there are different definitions of it that come along. So one of the most common ones is conflated with an anti-theistic position that uh, there are no deities. And that is a claim that does carry a burden of proof in, or an onus of justification is the more academic term for it, in my view. And uh, because when, when somebody is making a claim, you know, they're, if you want other people to, to take it seriously, then, you know, you have to be willing to satisfy your onus of justification, uh, if you will. Um, so the anti-theist by saying there isn't one also does carry that burden. Um, now, one of the common things that comes up with a lot of these different uh, variants on what people mean by atheism is the underlying characteristic that is consistent with all of them is not believing in deities. And that's what I'm focused on is just that. Right. Another, so another example, another example of uh, one that comes up from time to time is that atheists hate God. And that would be a mesotheism, meso being the prefix for hatred. And, um, so that's another one that I don't, that's not me. I have no reason to, to have a hatred for, for something I don't believe in. All right. Awesome. So I'm curious, you talked a little bit in the beginning about how you've never had some sort of belief in God. So did you kind of, or a deity, did you grow up in like an atheist household? Like what kind of growing up, what was kind of like the religious or lack of any religious environment you, that you lived in growing up? Yeah, so uh, my parents, uh, my dad is a skeptic. Uh, he has a background in psychology and uh, also takes a great interest in science and science fiction. Uh, my mom is uh, more on the musical side, uh, working in the uh, uh, in the industry of music education for quite a long time at uh, in the academic level. She, I found out after I moved out of the home, that she actually does take some kind of vague belief in a Christian-like deity. So I, I classify her at least as Gnostic, G-N-O-S-T-I-C. Um, but I, uh, I think she's not very strong in, in her belief on that. But my parents did tell me afterwards that uh, they decided it would be best that uh, we grow up with, uh, without any kind of bias in any direction on this kind of thing and make our own mind up on this at some point if we wanted to. Which I, which I, of course, don't have any problem with. I think that's uh, quite a fair and uh, an honest approach toward it. Yeah. Okay. So did you ever have a time in your life where you considered taking some sort of form of a religious belief or anything along those lines? Or would you, would you say pretty confidently that you've always been an atheist and that's kind of like your journey until this point? I have uh, been invited a number of times to, to join these different 
kinds of religions and, and not just Christianity. Uh, but I, uh, it just never, never appealed to me. Um, what I would see would be people who were, it almost looked like some of them were having seizures. They were praying so hard, I guess you could say. And that, that kind of activity, it, it kind of spooked me out a little bit. And I, I just didn't feel comfortable being part of that. And so I didn't, didn't, uh, didn't continue on with it. I just never really got into it. So, you know, I wasn't closed off to it if, if that's kind of what you're wondering. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I think that's I just didn't answer. feel a need to get into it. Yeah. So. Uh -huh. I, I understand where you're coming from. So did you have any sort of like, Christian influences or not to say influences, but like what was your, what, what was your exposure to Christianity as you were growing up um, through high school, through, if you went to college, things like that. And as an adult, like what have you had like Christian friends, Christian coworkers, anything along those lines? Like what's your exposure to Christianity kind of been like as you've grown up? My exposure has been that, you know, I, I kind of knew it was there, but like here in Canadian culture, uh, religion is mostly, uh, it's not projected publicly by people very much. People usually consider their religion, their religious beliefs to be more of a private matter here, and it's, it's, it's quite common. So I wasn't really around people who were pushing it on me. Um, there were people in, I, I do have friends who are Christians. I have some who are Muslims. I have uh, friends of different religions and, and they know who I am and uh, on this, but uh, it's, it's not an issue. There's, uh, uh, I do, I did have one friend for a while who uh, maybe about 10 years ago and uh, we used to play table tennis together regularly. And after about a year and a half of it, he, just one day started asking me, are you a, uh, do I believe in God? And so of course I just said, no, I don't, because uh, it never came up before. And then he started getting a little upset about this. And so what happened the next day, I found that uh, there was a place that we go that was common. So I, I go in and, and he was just leaving. Um, and then I was only there for less than a minute and I come out and uh, the tires on my vehicle had been slashed. So I, uh, and he was not happy with me. He wasn't even saying hello that day. He was just not, and normally it would be like, good morning, hello, how are you, right? So uh, I did contact the police about it and they talked to him. And uh, so things got sorted out and uh, it turned out that he was actually quite mad about uh, the fact that he didn't know all this time that I didn't believe in God like him. Now, these situations are, I, in my experience, extremely rare. There's, you, you get people from kind of all walks of life who do some pretty terrible things. Um, I can think of a, a, an example from the atheism community, someone I don't know, but who's been in the news recently, uh, Craig Hicks, who committed murder, he, he, and he's in prison for it now in the U.S. I don't know if you're familiar with the case, but he killed uh, three uh, young Muslim girls uh, because uh, it was a dispute over a parking space. Um, a lot of people like to frame that as being that he's an anti-theist and he was very strong and vocal about it on Facebook and places like that. But my point being that there are good people, mostly I find in all these communities and there are a few bad apples as well. And it's unfortunate. And, and I think one of the big mistakes that comes up is that people will often see one bad person in the community and, and then try to paint the whole community with the same brush. And that's problematic because it's not objective. It's unfair to all the people who are in the community who are not like that. And uh, like, I, I wouldn't consider that you would do anything like this because you don't seem to be that kind of person at all. You, you seem very nice. And the, um, 
and I know you to be a real nice guy, but um, yeah, so the influence I've had, I would say the majority of the people I've known over the years who are religious and still know are nice people. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, uh, it's not, uh, just because they're nice is not a reason why I will copy and do the same thing. I will more think for myself on it. But uh, yeah, the, there wasn't really uh, a strong influence here uh, to saying that I should be a Christian or I should be any other particular religion. So like I say, co-workers and schoolmates are all, you know, there, there are a number who are religious and others are not. And the majority, we just don't know because it doesn't come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, I find it interesting that Canadian religious climate where it seems like at least for you guys, religion is almost more of a internal, like kind of like it stays in the home type thing. I think that's really interesting. I think you bring up a really good point about how I think there's people who on whatever, with every belief, there's people who will do terrible things uh, like the murder you were talking about. And I think it's important that when an atheist commits a murder or a Christian does or a Muslim or Jew, we don't automatically assume, see, they're all terrible people because it's not true. Um, Yeah. So here's an interesting thing I think to be transitional because I'd love to talk with you for a little bit about why you uh, lack a belief in a God or a deity. So, So the first thing you talked about is you talked about this idea that most people you and i'm thankful that you consider myself a good person so mm-hmm. so when you call someone good what do you mean um by good i mean that uh what you seem to value as good being cordial with people uh being polite um you seem to be the type of person i'm impressed that you are the type of person who would probably help somebody if they were having trouble in the street, somebody had fallen down and gotten hurt, you're likely the type of person who would try to help them up or call for help or something uh, if needed. Am I judging you correctly on that? Yeah, you are. I mean, I don't know how much of a help I'll be. I'm not the no, no, no. medically applied. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I'm just, yeah. My sense, my general sense is that you and I very likely share a lot of the same values. And we share, uh, we may have different reasons for it, uh, but we we probably have a lot of the same values where we want to see things improve in society. We, we favor the well-being of people in general and, and all these kinds of things. With the organization that you started, uh, uh, Adherent Apologetics, hope I'm saying that right, um, is uh, my my assumption is that your your intentions are, are very, you're very well-intended in that and you, and you want to be, encouraging people to do good things in society and and this is something that's very important we need more of this kind of thing in society um so just like with us with canadian atheists we definitely want to encourage people to do to think about what they're doing before they do it and and hopefully do things that are are lawful and uh, one of the things that i do for uh determining if i'm doing something ethical or moral is uh, like if, if it's something that's going to impact other people, I'll, I'll think about a variety of things. I'll consider uh, John Rawls' theory of justice, uh, his idea of the veil of ignorance, um, which is mainly intended for lawmakers, but it is something that will, um, uh, that certainly I've found to be helpful in determining what's moral. Uh, it, it considers, like I'll give you the example, in in the veil of ignorance being applied in in the situation of law if you're if you're if you're writing if you're, you're drafting a law the idea is you wear this metaphorical veil of ignorance which means that once the law is enacted 
you won't know what your role will be in society. It will be randomly assigned. You could be any person in society. You could be rich or poor. You could be male or female. Uh, your sexual orientation could be different than what the majority is. Uh, there could be all kinds of different factors. Uh, you could be any race. You could have a disability. You could be uh, uh, in a family that's the result of a whole bunch of lawsuits that are unfair. It could be, you could end anything. So. The idea is that you think about how this law is going to impact all these different people in society and then try to write the law in the most fair way that everybody uh, can enjoy an equal benefit from it. And uh, and then that way it's, it's a law that's truly helpful to everyone. So considering this kind of thinking is, is what I do when I when I'm stuck with something that I have to determine, is this a good thing? Is this a right or wrong thing? And then I try to make the determination the best one I can on my own. Sometimes I'll consult with my peers for that as well and ask them. And my peers will include not just atheists, but all my friends, of course. Um, so, uh, of course, there's also the legal system. And, and an important distinction is that just because it's the law doesn't necessarily mean it's ethical or moral. Uh, in most cases, I think that's generally the idea, but it isn't always the case. I, like, for example, a country that has the death penalty um, for, for crimes, I'm against that. I think that that's wrong. I think that the way the, that it should be framed is that uh, it would be a life sentence uh, with a minimum time served, and then any point after that, there could be an option for that person to take a death penalty, but it has to be their choice. The consent has to be theirs. Whereas uh, here in Canada, we don't have the death penalty, so we don't even have this freedom. So, but I, I do, there, there's stuff like that. I, I have a difference of opinion than I know a lot of Americans have, because I, I know there's many Americans and even many Canadians who are in favor of the death penalty. So yeah. there, there's different views on what's good and what's bad, right? Yeah, it, it's definitely. Not, it's not a, it's not an objective moral thing that's just consistent everywhere in the world. Yeah, I mean, we may disagree on the idea of a, a objective morality. There's a couple things I want to look at yeah. you about. So I'm guessing you're a moral subjectivist where you can't say something is objectively right or wrong. Am I correct in that view? Sure, but I'll clarify a point. Mm -hmm. If you and I can agree on a certain moral principle, then it's possible for us to make a non-subjective determination about whether an action is moral based on that. So we can make objective determinations, but you're right. I, I don't, uh, I would say morality is definitely a subjective thing. So trying to understand what you just said a little bit more. So okay. if, if, does it have to be like a unanimous like decision that some, if something is uh, like if, if me and you and the entire world decides, for example, stealing is wrong, would it mm -hmm. become objective then if that ceiling is wrong? No, um, it would be the whole world agrees, um, but uh, and with uh, within the uh, within the consideration of what the whole world agrees on, then an objective determination can be made about an act of theft being wrong. That doesn't mean it is the case though, without all of us agreeing on that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, I think and I views can change too. Yeah. So one thing that I'm interested in, you're talking about a little bit in your moral uh, framework, or I don't know exactly what you'd call it, but you, how you determine if, something, if an action is right or an action is wrong. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things you brought up was the idea that uh, we should be, when we, when we decide if something is, should be considered right, we should consider like all people in that decision. Is that correct? Um, that's a tough one. I, I, it's hard for me to give a black and white answer on that one. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, it's, uh, it, it's a gray area. 
the uh, uh, what happens now is the majority of people are are considered uh, as far as lawmaking is concerned. At least that's supposed to be the case, and uh, and so uh, I think if you're in a in with a group of a bunch of people deciding that something is right or wrong, uh, the, the peer pressure factors and whatnot are going are definitely going to play a role, and uh, there's there's something that people allude to sometimes in, especially in the debates where if the whole world thought one plus one was three, uh, they would all still be wrong. See, we, we kind of venture into the bandwagon fallacy here and it, it's, it's an important warning to us that, you know, we should really think carefully about what we are doing. You know, if the whole populace was not uh, properly educated on this kind of thought of justice and whatnot, except for one person, and that one person did actually come up with a really a better solution than what the majority was thinking, you know, majority could still make the wrong decision. In their minds, it will be the right decision. But the reality is it could actually be the wrong decision, right? Yeah. Well, how do you determine that it's the wrong decision? Like, is that just like a subjective, like the yep. majority of people outside of those people? It's subjective for sure. Uh, I, uh, uh, again, I, I have to look at the facts of a particular situation and make my own determination on it. And that's how it is. And very often I'll defer to somebody I trust or I'll defer to the legal system. Um, and if somehow uh, there is a point being raised or something doesn't sit well with it, then it's worth re-examination, I think. Uh, most of the time people just go along with it and it seems to be okay. And, you know, for all I know, the, the Canadian legal system could be entirely wrong and entirely unethical. Uh, and I could be completely wrong on all of this. So. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sure to I have no problem admitting that. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. I think it's really, uh, it's great to see, uh, just for everyone who's listening, kind of like a rough schedule as we continue this conversation, so we're going to be talking about things related to like the existence of a God for about probably about another 15 minutes or so. And then we're going to transition to Christianity for about 25, 30 minutes ish. And then we'll do some closing thoughts on how to improve communication. Uh, if you have questions or anything, you can put those in the live chat. We'll answer those at the end. And that's kind of like a rough framework. Um, and I didn't tell Randolph any of this, so he's learning this as well right now. Uh, but that's kind of like the idea of what's going to go down. So that, just so you guys know, um, I'm trying to think about, I mean, we can talk about this whole idea of morality for forever, basically. Uh, um, it goes so, on forever. There's, there's always counter examples available and that that's the problem with anything being subjective. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, you could debate anything for like hours. Uh, yeah. Question for you. I kind of think I know how you're going to answer this, but I think it's a good question for people who are listening, especially for Christians who may not be familiar with how an atheist would answer this question. So do you consider what the Nazis did um, with the Holocaust and the extermination of Jews and disabled people and things along those lines, do you consider that wrong? I do think that's wrong. I think that uh, they were committing genocide and I'm against genocide. I think uh, genocide is, is definitely an arbitrary decision. Um, they're, they're saying, and that's unfair to people because each person is individual and we have different views on things and different approaches and attitudes to things and, and, and to life in general. So I, I definitely disagree with, the, with what the Nazis did. Okay. So, and and uh, most of the atheists I know uh, think it's horrible as well. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of really any atheist that would say that the Nazis did a good thing. I can't think of really any people in general who would say that the Nazis did a good thing. Um, so yeah. a couple of things I'm curious on. So how do you 
look at someone who, let's say like an Adolf Hitler or some of the people underneath him who thought that they were doing a good thing because they were with uh, this conquest and uh, uh, genocide of these people, they were helping further their people, the uh, Germans and Austrians and other people in that area. Uh, so if they thought they were what they were doing was good, in a sense, is it since they're uh, benefiting their people, is it good for them that they did that? Because that's like their uh, moral convictions. If they're, they thought they were doing what's best for their people, therefore that would be good in their eyes. So I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, okay. Uh, this will get a little extensive, I think, yeah. because <laughs> the history, as I understand it, is Adolf Hitler got elected uh, because there were he appealed to the younger audience, the younger demographic, who were angry with, uh, a lot of them were frustrated or angry with how the, uh, the older demographic, the aging demographic had mishandled things and uh, they were not satisfied with, with how life was going. And so he figured out that, how to appeal to that. And, and his uh, presentations were kind of in an angry tone. So that would have appealed to them because of the things he was saying. He, was, he knew how to be an effective leader. I don't think he was a good leader, but he was an effective one. Um, and to be fair, he did bring in things like the viaduct uh, to Germany, which has been tremendously beneficial beneficial to them, uh, the economy and everything else there for forever since. But he also did some very bad things. And my understanding also was that he didn't initially start off uh, with this whole anti-Jewish idea. And that came later on in his career. And uh, when he, I guess, was comfortable enough that he had enough uh, influence that he'd be able to rule things without being questioned too much and uh, and run it like a dictatorship. So uh, it's after that point. So it was, it was years later, as I, as I understand, that he started getting into that. And, and then the racist things came out. And and by that time, he had already gotten a lot of people convinced to follow him and, uh, and do just about anything he said, because he was a very strong personality by the looks of it. And uh, it's, it's sad because a lot of people will follow a leader uh, without questioning them. They will follow blindly. And quite often, a lot of people will look up to someone as their leader, as somebody who they dare not question, because the last thing they want is the wrath of that leader coming down on them. And in the case with Adolf Hitler, a lot of them uh, knew very well, I think, that had they resisted his direction or his ideas, um, when it came to very extreme ideas, um, that he was likely to uh, put them to death or, or do something that would really be an awful thing for them and their family because that's that's how they play they go after family members as well you know so um it's i think people were a lot of them were just following so loyally there are probably a number of different reasons uh, some of them could have done it out of fear some of it because they knew what the repercussions would potentially be others uh, could have done it just because they're blindly following and they're so to speak drinking the kool-aid and uh so it's and there's likely other reasons too. I think um, if you're ever talking with a, a social psychologist, um, they could probably give you a lot more uh, detail on what uh, what the uh, dynamics, their interpersonal dynamics there that would have uh, influenced them. And that might actually be quite an interesting episode to watch if you ever did manage to, to get that going. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it, it is not an area of expertise for me, but that's my general understanding. And uh, so a lot of people will just follow orders or they'll say, oh, uh, the upper echelon said it, so it 
no point questioning. We'll just do, just follow. We're just following orders. You hear the excuse, and it, it can be quite dangerous because if the orders are 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 wrong, then you know, uh, shouldn't there be some kind of recourse for for people to uh, to say, hey, I have a problem with this, to speak up and say, have the leadership considered this aspect of this because this could actually be wrong. I think it's wrong, and here's why, and, and not have to worry about repercussions that could potentially be lethal for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, let's, I have what kind of thoughts that I was thinking about this, because you seem like the kind of guy, and I'm a, you're, you're a great guy, who advocates um, or believes that it's important that humans uh, are protected, right? That humans uh, deserve, like, they deserve, I don't know if you want to call them their rights, but they deserve a chance to be, like, free, uh, things like liberty, things like that, you know? I'm guessing you would agree with that? Oh, oh, definitely. And uh, here in Canada, our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which is part of our Constitution, uh, protects under Section 2 uh, freedom of thought, freedom of expression, freedom of opinion, and, and, and other things like that. Freedom of religion is also protected. Uh, and then Section 15 of our Charter forbids discrimination against people based on all these factors. Okay. So I'm and curious. I, agree with that. I think it's correct. Yeah. So I'm curious, uh, as an atheist, obviously, we can make assumptions. And obviously, I assume is an atheist. If I'm if I'm wrong, please tell me. I'm assuming you're pro-choice on the whole abortion debate. Uh, I am, am pro-choice on uh, because I'm pro-freedom. Uh, I'm pro-choice not because I'm an atheist. Atheism is incidental to that. I do know atheists who are uh, who take the opposite view and are entirely against abortion. And uh, for me, uh, my view on it is that. Um, it is uh, the freedom for for a pregnant person to make the choice at, at any time, and to make it to make sure that it is a freedom. Uh, it, and and what what the characterizes it as a freedom is that um, they're not being pressured to change their their choice on it. And, and the kind of pressures I'm talking about would be where they're required to justify their decision. Yeah. Otherwise, okay. it's not free if they have to justify it. Yeah. So we're, I think we're a little bit off track here. I think this is an interesting thing because you we've been talking a lot about like what does a human deserve, um, human rights, human liberties, things like that. And obviously, as uh, not necessarily just because I'm a Christian, because I believe that humans mm -hmm. have value. I obviously would disagree with you on yep. this point because I believe that that unborn baby uh, from the moment of conception has value. Uh, part of it's that they're made in the image of God, at least in my beliefs. But I think also part of it's just, they're just humans. I think even if I was an atheist, I'd still have a hard time taking a pro-choice position. So mm -hmm. I'm curious. And many uh, do. Yeah, yeah. Some, do. some do. Yeah, I'll say some do. I know for sure some do. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not surprised that's your position. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious, because I feel like there has to, in this whole, this whole question, there has to be a line drawn somewhere. So for okay. example, I think it's wrong for me to freely choose to kill you, Randolph. Um, mm -hmm. And I would never, obviously I would never do that. You are an awesome guy. <laughs> um, oh good, I judged you correctly. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. splendid. Secretly, I know that's actually, splendid. Uh, whole team coming to your house while I distract you uh, with this live stream. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what this is about, okay. <laughs> You're wondering where I draw the line. Okay. So yeah, so I would not, I would say that in the same way that I cannot kill you, I don't believe that a human can kill an unborn baby. Cause I think really the only difference between, uh, 
a baby in the womb and someone like me, me or you is obviously our age and our location. So how do you draw the line? Why? I'm assuming you don't believe it's okay to really kill me or right. someone like that. But you you believe that you can... Uh, I don't that know, would be murder. Yes. Yeah, kill or terminate or something like that. Pregnancy. So where do you draw the line on that debate? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's once the uh, it's after birth, uh, after umbilical separation, and that's when the the fetus become the baby becomes a human. It becomes a sorry, it becomes a person, and is uh, protected by the rights of the law. Before then, it is uh, uh, it is a part of the pregnant person's body. And so it's up to the pregnant person to make that decision. So that that's my view on it. Uh, so it umbilical separation is is the big is the key point there. Okay, and obviously we could get into this debate for forever, but that's not the purpose of this live stream. I want to ask you one yep. more question here, and if you feel free, don't feel like if you have anything you want to ask me, feel free to do it. But I'm curious. Okay. So um, I still want to talk about abortion for the next hour because there's a lot of topics to address. Uh, it's up to you. It's up to you. This short live stream. You're so sweet. <laughs> Um, this is why you are awesome. So my question is my nieces, they were born or they weren't born. They were, it was a C-section two months premature. Mm -hmm. So in your view, if they were, let's say that they weren't born premature and that the mother of my nieces decided that they were still in the womb at seven months instead of, uh, being born premature, that she just decided that they were able to, she, she still would have the right to terminate that pre- terminate that pregnancy uh, if they were still unborn, so to speak? Yes. Okay. Um, let's move Very on. Straightforward answer. It's just, <laughs> so okay. what comes up uh, is there is, uh, there are different motivations for people uh, being uh, anti-abortion. And so, and the reasons vary. So one of the motivations that I'm concerned about is, or sorry, one of the outcomes that I'm concerned about is that we have the we have these freedoms. We are the, the freedom of personal liberty to be able to make our own decisions about our own bodies. If a pregnant person is told that they can't terminate the pregnancy, then they their rights to personal liberty have been compromised, have been restricted. And that's not freedom anymore. And that, that's where I'm coming from on this. And that, that's kind of why I look at it this way. It, I see it as tantamount to um, enslaving pregnant people just because they're pregnant, just because of a health condition. So anyway, that's, that's my straightforward view on that for you. It's not meant to excite anybody or to cause offense. It's just that's you asked how I view it, and there it is. Yeah, I appreciate your honesty, and I think for the sake of time, we'll move on here to another topic. Uh, so talk about more reason that people propagate to believe in God. I don't really have any specific argument in mind. There's a lot we could go through, cosmological, sure. fine-tuning. Oh, there's all kinds of fun stuff. What is there one that you one kind of argument for the existence of God that you're, you'd love to, for me to, to, that you looked into a lot that you're curious about talking about here for a few minutes before we transition to Christianity? Um, not really. I think, um, I like, again, it comes down to, there's a lot of different reasons people believe things. And, uh, there, there are, I guess one kind of thing comes up is that, uh, there's this idea that everything was created by one God and, there are, 
the question that I come up is why, why would you believe it's just one? Why not multiple deities working together as a team to, to do all this? Because creating the universe is a pretty enormous task, I would think. <laughs> it's just a kind, of a, a kind of a thought that comes up sometime. Why is it just one? Why is it not multiple? Yeah, I mean, I can answer that question a little bit. I okay. think that if you look in a poly, I think the question comes down to is what do you mean by when you def when you're talking about God? So I think the idea of multiple deities kind of working together is kind of like almost a polytheistic uh, yes. framework of understanding things. And at least me personally, I have a hard time believing. Like when I when I talk about God, um, the, who I believe in. I believe in a being that's all powerful, all knowing, you know, all the alls and omnis and all that stuff. Um, and are you there? I think you've. Uh, Hello. Okay. I'm here. You there? Did you hear what I said? Yeah. Yes. Uh, then it. Then it. Uh, Hello. Yeah. Hello. Do you hear me? Oh my gosh. Are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Can you hear me? If you guys are in the live chat, who's causing, who can you not hear right now? Is it Randolph or me that you are struggling to hear? Uh, this is a bummer. It's like you're coming through now. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure whose audio is cutting out, if it's me or you. Um, you hear me? Hello? Gunnies. Uh. You hear me? Hi there. Yeah, hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. So I don't I know if you can hear me. Yeah. Someone in the chat said it's it's your your internet ran off. I don't know. Okay. Uh, if you guys can hear me Everything's as well, let me know. But I think we I think we're good now. Where did we cut off? Okay. Um sorry about that. You were talking about the omnis. So you you mentioned polytheism. Okay. Yeah. So I believe obviously in a God's omnipresent, omni omnipotent, all these, all those things, you know, we could talk about. And I think, you know, these polytheistic gods are really none of these. Uh, most of these beings are created beings. And I believe that if we're going to talk about God, at least the God that I believe in, in a, like the God, if there is a God, I, th I think monotheism is the only solution that makes sense. And I think that a polytheistic framework fails where you have like a bunch of gods working together because there's no creator, you have a bunch of limited beings created things, whereas God is an unlimited being uh, who created things. I think, I hope I'm uh, answering your question well, so you understand where I'm coming from on it that. It seems that you're you're thinking because they're polytheistic, they can't be uh, omnipower, they can't be uh, omnipotent or omniscient. Yeah, they wouldn't be able, because uh, okay. they're limited. If you look at the uh, gods in Hinduism or Buddhism or anything, they're, they're sure. limited in their powers and abilities and their knowledge and all these things and i think when we talk about though like what is like two thousand or so deities that have been proposed by man most of those deities yeah. are polytheistic with the exception of a christian view or an islamic view or a judaism view or there's a few african views that are monotheistic but the vast majority are polytheistic beings that are typically created at least from my understanding i haven't looked into this as like a scholar or anything okay all right. So yeah, I, mean, I was I was curious why you would think that. So yeah, I uh, I, I don't know if I can uh, get on board with uh, the idea that under polytheism that one or more deities couldn't be all powerful and all knowing. 
But uh, I guess uh, uh, that's conversation for another time because <laughs> yeah. we've got a time frame to work on here. So yeah, yeah. I mean that's definitely but, an interesting. But I know your reason. But but yeah. I know what your reason is now. So yeah. <laughs> thank you for that. This is an interesting discussion. That's something I'd love to talk about in a future time. But unfortunately, sure. time is not my friend right now. Um, so let's talk a little bit about. Well, actually, before we get into that, I'm curious. So what would convince you? Let's let's say that like a Judeo Christian God or an Islam, like a monotheistic, all powerful, all knowing being. What would convince you that some sort of being of that type exists? Uh, kind of the last question here before we transition to like Christianity and your thoughts on that. I actually do have an answer for that. Uh, there was a challenge that I put onto the internet, and I'm just going to send you a link to it in Twitter real quick here um, so that you can take a look yourself. And uh, there's a, an image there if you wanted to put it up on the screen. Um, I'll just read it quickly to you if, uh, if you like. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm basically saying that to prove that, that a deity is real, all that that deity would need to do is to grant me omniscience and omnipotence for about a week or so, so that I could verify it all for myself. You know, I, I'd use that, of course, to explore the universe, uh, maybe the cosmos and whatnot. And there it is. That's the one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's what I've put forth for people. Now, what I find is an interesting response to that is a lot of people have tried to negotiate down the amount of time I would need instead of taking other avenues. <laughs> so, and I find that quite interesting. But, um, yeah, it is one that I, uh, uh, that, that, would, that would do it for me, I think, because then that way I would have... Uh, have the first-hand chance to try it myself. One person suggested, oh, well, then you would destroy God. I said, okay, I'd be willing to put on a, a, a restriction that I wouldn't be able to destroy God. <laughs> and uh, and then they still weren't happy with it. But, uh, you know, it's, um, uh, it, I have, uh, like, for me, I would be actually quite, quite happy to explore the entire universe. And what's interesting I found about this too was the responses of the responses I received. Some people said they'd like to come along for the ride and see as well. <laughs> <laughs> I would. It ends up getting into science fiction, right? So <laughs> almost, uh, the idea uh, seems like that, but uh, this is, this is uh, the kind of level of, uh, of proof I would need. And uh, although it might sound flippant, I, I have challenged uh, quite a few theists, uh, to do, including Christians, to uh, to actually make the arrangements to make this happen. So that's that's where it is for me. I, I would need the firsthand experience on it. Okay. So do you think there's? Uh, as I'm trying to wrap up this whole portion, I'm just curious. And you thought, is there any sort of like? Do you think there's some sort of like argument that could convince you, or is it just kind of like that challenge that? you put on Twitter is like kind of like the end all be on be all and what would convince you of the existence of God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to know what you think of that challenge at some point. You don't have to tell me today. You probably want to think it over for a while, but um, I, uh, I, I'm certainly not close to there being an argument that could convince me. Um, but I have not encountered one yet that has convinced me. So if when an argument does come forth, I will do my best to apply critical thinking on the matter. Okay. So let's move on a little bit. Um, let's talk about Christianity for a little bit. And I'm curious, just give me, give me your general thoughts on the question of 
if you believe, I don't know, because I really know nothing about your your beliefs here. Uh, if did Jesus exist, and if so, who was Jesus in your perspective? I don't have a position on it. Um, if like what I've what I know of what's been said of him is that he has a background in carpentry and uh, there, there's various things that have been said about his character and uh, uh, that he was resurrected at one point and, and, and various other things. I'm just, uh, I just don't hold a position on whether he was really a deity who was real. You know, it's um, as far as being a person in history, I, I also don't know because I don't know enough about that part of history. So I, I, I have to defer to experts on that one. And uh, the problem is that there are experts with so many varying, so many different views on it that it's okay. So it's going to take quite a lot of work to to look into that and, and determine which ones are correct. And, and, and again, because it's so far in history, I, I, I don't even know if it was accurately recorded, which is a whole other area that people talk about as well, like how accurate was the recording of, of what happened. And, and there's some people who say, well, it's a combination of a number of different people of the time coming together and amalgamated into the story of a single person. There's also other people who point out that religions before Christianity had similar stories. And so maybe it was adapted or plagiarized. These kinds of things come up. So there's, there's a lot of different kind of loose ends, I guess, from what I see. So I don't know where, which position to take on it. So it's, I, I haven't made a determination on it is what it boils down to for me. Okay. So I'm trying to be uh, fair. Yeah, no, I, I, all I want is your honesty. I'm not here. And I, and I don't mean to like Christianity on this at all. I mean, yeah, you're good, man. Uh, so on a scale, now I'm going to give you an option to get out of this scale if you want. I don't want to force you into answering a question that you don't have an answer to. But from, let's just say 10 is Jesus definitely exists. One is Jesus def definitely did not exist. Where are you on this scale? Or you could just say you you don't have a position on this. Um, I don't have a position on it. I don't have a position on it. Okay. So well, Jesus, Jesus is, is a deity, and I, I don't believe that deities do or don't exist. Okay, let's forget about the idea that Jesus is God for a second, and just like the historical Jesus, like the, there was a person who walked the earth whose name was Jesus of Nazareth, who uh, is the person talked about in the Bible. It doesn't have to mean that he did everything the Bible says, but that's like some that that figure existed. Does your answer change that scale at all? I could uh, I could go so far as to say yeah certainly it's possible I guess um, I, again I'm I, I'm not really taking a hard position on it but i would certainly say that like if if it's excluding all the the deity and miracles and and uh, and turning water into wine and things like that uh then then certainly it sounds a lot more plausible and it sounds more like yeah if he's just described as a normal person um then sure why not okay so from what, I, what i'm trying to i'm trying to understand your views here so the all the supernatural claims that are made throughout the gospels and the miracles and all those things, those tend to cause you to doubt the existence of a historical Jesus. Am I right here in how I'm representing well, the claims of the, the miracles and, and other supernatural events are, are definitely what I doubt. Um, I do know that like there's a, an illusionist named Chris Angel, a very recent, uh, very recently did uh, a demonstration of walking on water. 
and it uh, and he he's done some other fantastic things you know um, see the problem is how can i rule out that uh some of these miracles that were claimed and attributed to him aren't just illusions and that that's where that's where the doubt comes from okay um so do you have this same sort of like i don't i want to make sure i'm representing you right here but it's sure. the same sort of like uh absence of belief in the historical well, do you have an absence of belief in the historical jesus or are you just not sure like where what if someone yeah, says those two would be almost the same thing. Um, they, I, I don't have a position on it because it's not. Uh, it, I don't have a dog in that fight, so to speak. I'm, I, I'm not out there debating that point. Um, so I, I really haven't done much research into it. I'm, I'm somebody who doesn't know very much about that. Um, it's, it's not an area that I've spent much time studying. Okay, so. So it's hard for me to give you a straight answer on it. No. I, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to have all the answers. I just I appreciate your honesty. So, do you have the same sort of like absence of belief regarding, let's say, other figures in ancient history, such as like an Alexander the Great or Cleopatra or Julius Caesar? Uh, let's could go on and on. Do you have that? Is it the same absence of belief? Um, it it depends. So, there's concern about. I think it is. Plato or Socrates, there's, there's, there's been question about whether one of them is actually real uh, mm -hmm. and uh, that one may have made up the other. So there, there's, there's new information that's come up that's cast some doubt on that. Um, when I see that there's the majority of historians seem to be in favor of Cleopatra actually existing and there is evidence that seems to be coming from multiple sources on it that, that all kind of converge consistently, then that that definitely gives it a lot more credibility. Um, again, I have to say I, I can't get 100% behind those because they're in history and who wrote those things down? Were they people who had some motives to uh, to depict those people not as they really were? And these kind of things happen because people are people and they will often cover one thing and may exaggerate certain points and we don't actually get an accurate picture. We have a general idea, um, the general idea that Jesus was a person uh, walking around and interacting with people certainly seems a lot more plausible than the one where he's turning water into wine because there's that miracle aspect. Um, so, you know, it's with history, I see it as uh, a general kind of overview of what probably happened. That, that's okay. how I think. So would you say, yeah, I, I understand a lot of you're coming from. So would you say, let's just fast forward a lot uh, quicker into history here or a lot more into the present. So let's say someone like a, trying to think of someone, uh, let's go with like a George Washington, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the American. Do you, would you say he existed or do you have like that same absence of belief? Like where are you on oh, existence? He's much more contemporary. Yeah, he's much more contemporary, and there seems to be a lot more evidence uh, that's consistent uh, coming from a lot of different sources that that he existed. And and there's probably uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's been some misinformation spread about him too. But I'm I my level of confidence in uh, the claims of uh, his existence are much higher than people further back in history. And the further back in history we go, the less confidence my uh, my uh, my view on it is. Mm -hmm. So is there anyone in like ancient history that you would say you confidently believed existed or is it like a list or I don't know? Well, 
I think significantly people who are, um, uh, there's there's more widespread knowledge of them. Someone like Genghis Khan, for example, has, uh, there's, you know, there's documented, uh, there's documentation of him being all over the place and he's known for that and that's what he did. And uh, there's a part where he, uh, uh, China was building the wall and he went around the wall because it hadn't been completed yet instead of going through it, totally defeat the purpose of the wall. <laughs> he was there a bit too early. And then he went and took over China, but then uh, he conquered China and then, then he became Chinese because he was overwhelmed by the size of the population. So uh, yeah, he, he got the power, but he couldn't change it to him. He had to stay the way he was. So did he really win, right? So there, there could be distortions with all of this too. Maybe he didn't go around the wall. Maybe he found an opening because something broke down because it was under, it was, uh, it wasn't built as well as it should have been. And um, then, uh, but the person who did it didn't want to get in trouble, so a, a different story was told. I don't know. There's all kinds of possibilities, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, am I confident? I have a high, higher confidence value of uh, the more famous people existing for sure. Uh, but um, there needs to be um, uh, enough evidence as well to, there, there's a number of factors involved in, in determining what my confidence level would be. And that's just me only. This doesn't necessarily represent what other atheists are like me as an atheist, all these other characteristics we're talking about, of course, don't really have very much to do with atheism, if anything at all. And uh, there are other people who study history who will have, who will be um, more informed in, on these on these historic people and uh, be able to uh, to, to give, uh, to put a, a higher, a much higher confidence value on, on the accuracy of what's written about them. Okay. Uh one thing I do want to say, in defense of the wall, it is a nice tourist attraction now. I've never been there, but at least there is a bad purpose for the Great Wall of China. They can see it from the moon. <laughs> but what if the Earth's flat and the moon is just a light? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This, this, is a, this is a topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> and that was when I show you all my flat Earth beliefs. and Oh, boy. That is, that is obviously a joke for anyone who doesn't know me. I do not believe that the earth is flat. Uh, so, Well, one of the things, the jokes that comes up a lot about flat earthers, they've got uh, locations all around the globe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, so let's, one more question here about Christianity. I appreciate you just letting me ask you all these questions. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. What would convince you, if there is anything that would convince you that Christianity is true? Well, uh, I'll go back to my other challenge, the one that I, that you posted up earlier, because uh, to me, Christianity, uh, what is central and extreme, and you, know, you can't do without it with Christianity is God. Okay. Without God, do you have Christianity? Okay. So it's kind of, he's an integral part of it, I think. <laughs> I mean, no God, no Christianity. I do understand that. Um, do you so, agree with that? Yeah, obviously. I mean, you need to have a supernatural force for there to be a resurrection from the dead. Yeah. Um, so what, let's just say you could time travel back to 2000 years ago and you were there following Jesus around, you watch him die, you watch him get crucified and die. And then you see him come out of the tomb a few days later and with the holes in his wrists and the things like that, would that convince you that Christianity is true? If you saw it probably would, 
it probably would. Um, of course, I would be uh, very interested in looking at the tomb and seeing what's going on. Um, I, I'd want to know for sure that he wasn't just some guy in a coma. But if he's if he's doing other things, right? So that this is an idea that's come up. He was in a coma for two or three days, or however long it was. So um, there's because uh, people do get injuries, right? And uh, and people can can survive through these kinds of things, uh, especially if they're healthy. And if he's if he's been walking around a lot, he's probably pretty healthy for the time um, compared to other people who probably didn't go around as much. I, I don't know. Um, so uh, I would probably be very curious, and I my guess is. I'd probably be annoying some people. <laughs> so, yeah, I, if I could see it firsthand, that would probably help a lot. Okay. So, last question here before we move on to the fun, happy part where we don't have all these serious questions. Um, so, if Christianity is true, let's just say I, that I'm right here, would you become a Christian if Christianity is true? I don't know. Um, I probably would not because there are some passages in the Bible that I have great concerns about. Um, one of them is uh, that, and I forget where it is, but uh, I could look it up afterwards if you needed me to. But they, There's something about women cannot talk, uh, like I think in a church or somewhere. Yeah, Unless, okay, you know this. Uh, I'm not surprised you know this, actually. It's, it's a good sign, uh, given what your, your position um, with, the, with, with the work you do. But uh, that women can't speak unless a man speaks, gives them permission to speak. And, and there's, there's things like this that don't sit well with me. Um, so I have objections to those specific things. And because they are part of Christianity, I'm, you know, I don't like to associate myself with, um, with, with, ideas that are um, promoting with the promotion of bad ideas and things like that. Um, it, to me, it's problematic. There's another one that comes up where there's an edict to, uh, to kill um, non-believers. And a lot of people will say, oh, that's Old Testament. It doesn't apply now in New Testament. So, you know, there's, there's different things coming up. So these kinds of things I, I feel would definitely need to be resolved uh, and other issues like it before I could embrace it and become a Christian. Okay. Uh, I do want to say uh, that passage you're talking about in First Timothy, I did do an interview with uh, Nick Quant, who's working on getting Timothy, a doctorate in New, yeah. in, in New Testament theology, and he talked about this passage and gave a very good explanation. In my, if you're curious, check that out. Um, but let's sure. move on. Send me a link later. Yeah, maybe put yeah. a link in the description of this video in case the audience wants to look at it too. Yeah. What I'll do is when you are talking at some point, I'll just pop it in the live chat. But um, okay. so... Let's move on. Uh, we've been talking about issues relating to the, the truth of Christianity. Oh, I, I, the, the other passage I was talking about, uh, the putting atheists, putting non-believers to death, is 2 Chronicles 15, 13. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just in case you wanted to look it up. Oh, okay. I appreciate it. Um, so how can, let's move on here. Uh, last part of this conversation today, which I've greatly enjoyed. How do you think, because you're obviously, you're such a friendly guy. Like I remember when, you debated me on literally zero. So are, so are you, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you're so sweet. Um, uh, so you debated me on literally like zero seconds notice. Cause the person I was supposed to debate was just like, didn't show up for some reason. Um, and it was one of the most pleasant conversations I've had. Cause you're such like, you're just such a funny guy. Like we can disagree on these things, but like, yeah. like you don't get angry. And I I hope I don't get angry. And I, like, so 
You think that's the way Christian and um, atheist dialogue should be? We're not like just going at each other's throats, but we're just trying to be like friendly and then yeah. talk about the issues. So first, most important, well, I like to say, I, I like to characterize that debate experience we had, that uh, we, we got into a debate and a conversation broke out. Um, <laughs> that's uh, because that's exactly what happened, like you said. Um, the uh, the most important thing to remember, I think, is that uh, people, you don't, I think a genuine friendship doesn't require uh, imposing one's beliefs on their friends. So it's, you know, as long as you have this in mind, you, you can easily be friends with anybody. It's, it's, it's not a problem. Um, the, so the dialogue uh, between atheists and Christians, I think if, I think it's a mistake to look at it as adversarial in nature. We're all neighbors. We're all sharing the planet. We all need to uh, need to get along, and so uh, it's very helpful if we can we can have dialogue. And I think one of the most important things is to be able to talk about even the most contentious issues, like we discussed abortion earlier, and we discussed Nazis. Both of those are contentious issues, um, and they. There was there was no argument. There was no fight. It was uh, it was quite calm and cool headed, and there's there's no problem with it. Um, you know, like we obviously have different views on it, but I think if people can have um, this, what I call the free exchange of ideas, is is a phrase that I've been trying to get out there. And so this is why I'm so happy to be on your show today because that's exactly what this is: the free exchange of ideas. I I, I see. Although you're asking most of the questions. Um, <laughs> It's, uh, it's important because uh, if we understand each other better, um, we can work together for a better future for everybody. Uh, that potential is always there in, in a much stronger way if, if we can do that. Um, where there's a problem, I guess, and some people get very much afraid of it, and they'll say, oh, but what if it escalates to violence? Well, then it's not a discussion anymore. And it becomes a matter for the police or even the military in some cases, uh, depending on how bad it gets and, and who's doing the talking. But um, the idea is as soon as somebody escalates to violence, those people are trying to oppress. They're not, they're not trying to have free and open dialogue anymore. And that's the problem. So what you're going for is the opposite of that. You're, you're going for the free exchange of ideas. And, and that's so important. Um, if we can discuss contentious issues and we can argue, even vehemently argue about it, um, that's still okay. As long as we don't escalate to acts of violence, it's fine. Hmm. Okay. And most so, progress can be had from this, I think. And, and we look in history where people have had the strongest disagreements very often. We've also, uh, um, the outcome has also led to the greatest progress for us as a species. Yeah. A lot of good stuff there. Um, Last question here before we start to wrap things up. What do you think that Christians miss? Like, what do Christians in your in your experience dialoguing and interacting with atheists? What do what do Christians misunderstand typically about atheists or atheist beliefs or things like that? What do you, what's what's one just one or two of the most common misconceptions that you see? One of the most common ones is that uh, atheists all believe in science, um, and there are many atheists who don't. Uh, uh, aren't even educated in science and uh, there are because any kind of scientific idea like theory of evolution or the big bang or, or different things like that 
these are scientific endeavors. Um, they are incidental to atheism. And, and so one of the common things that I find comes up, and that's just one example. So one of the most common things I find comes up is that a lot of assumptions are made about atheists being more than just, uh, atheism being more than just not believing in deities. And, and, that, uh, and that is uh, unfortunate because uh, I think the most important thing to remember is that it's not a position when I say I don't believe something. It's just, I'm, it's a psychological state of not believing. If I'm not taking a position for or against the idea. And so that's it. So then that, that's where there seems to be assumptions made that there's a bunch of positions attached to it. And I think, you know, it comes from people having experience dealing with atheists who do hold some pretty strong positions and then assuming that all atheists are like that. And it's just, just a matter of meeting more atheists who aren't like that before this starts to become more clear. And the same thing with Christians. I, I've noticed that there are Christians with all sorts of different views. Look at all the different denominations, right? So the, the same thing probably happens with Christianity, I assume. Okay. Uh, funny comment here. Carl says this is last question number seven. That's my guy, Carl. I do say, I do say last question a lot, so I will. Last question that. number seven. That's probably <laughs> that's, about that's right. Fantastic. That's probably right. Um, so we'll start to wrap things up here. Any thoughts, questions? deep, dark secrets, anything you want to say before we wrap things up here? Well, thank you to everybody who's in the chat. You're saying there's a lot of people have showed up, which is great. And I recognize some of the names, uh, such as Critical Cripple and uh, Amiga Nuts and a little bit of tea in Danish and some others. So I, I'm, I'm grateful that that uh, you and everybody else in the chat has come here to and everybody watching. Um, did you say there were some questions from the audience? Uh, I don't think there okay. were. There's one question about a book that I might write, and that is a mystery. I will, if I do have details on that, I will announce them. As of now, there's nothing to disclose. But I mean, there's nothing really, nothing really, you know, just random stuff. Nothing that. Okay. I, yeah. I, I enjoy doing some writing as a hobby as well. So. Um, yeah, I saw you're like working on a science fiction book. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, there's uh, 250 species in it, and that's uh, I've got more than half of them documented so far. I've been working on this on my spare time throughout my life, and uh, uh, there's uh, there's going to be uh, a lot of different um, alien worlds in it, and uh, there's uh, some conflicts that that get larger than our entire universe, <laughs> and uh, it's. Um, uh, there's one species that has more than two million years of technological advancement in its history. Where we're what maybe. 20,000 years <laughs> comparatively. So um, they, they, they're exploring entire universes. And, and there's a number of different planets. Some of them have a very strong religious uh, um, uh, cultures on them and others are, are completely not. And But this is not the focus of the book. The focus is more other issues, but but those things are part of the characters and whatnot. So creating all of these things is, is quite a lot of work. And uh, it's something I enjoy very much because uh, you can you get off on tangents and the beauty of creative writing is that uh, you can continue to explore those tangents and, and come off on even more tangents from them. And if something's out of place, you just put it onto another another species history or something. It's, it's great. So yeah, I'm having some fun with that. And uh, it, 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 the thing about writing is uh, even creative writing. If you want to try to do some research in, in a related area to make sure you've got understanding they uh, 
they come across as credible. And, and that is probably one of the harder parts of it. And It's also if you're covering a lot of different topics. You get to study a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you kind of end up learning quite a lot. If I have uh, have more ability, make a lot more progress on it. Okay. Uh, so your interest sounds like. All right, can you hear me? You have an interest in mystery. I think you froze everything. I think we're good oh, now, though. No. Okay. You have an interest in writing a mystery novel of some sort, is what you're saying? No. <laughs> I no. must have made a mistake. Um, I don't know. Somehow, like, I heard the word mystery earlier, so. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Well, that is not in my – that'd be fun. Okay. Not any, any sort of a plan at the moment. Um, okay. Great. This has been a great conversation. Uh, for yeah. people who do not know who you are – I'll give you a chance to just sure. plug anything that you want. If people want to learn more about you, how do they find you? Okay. I'm Randolph Richardson. I'm the founding president of the Canadian Atheists, and you can reach us at canadianatheists.ca, and uh, that's our logo. The uh, uh, And if you want to reach me elsewhere, my YouTube channel is uh, youtube.com slash Randolph Richardson. That's Randolph spelled with an F, not PH. And uh, I'm also, uh, you can find me in other places, such as my website at randolphrichardson.com. So I, I was just, it was just such a delight to, to talk with you today, Zach. Um, thank you very much. And, and I do hope that your ministry is going very well. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's been going good. I appreciate you for joining me, Randolph. It's always fun to talk to you. If you start your show stuff, I will always be honored to come on. Appreciate you asking, answering all my questions. Uh, for people who are new here, welcome to Adhering Apologetics. I encourage you to subscribe. We talk to all kinds of people about the existence of God, the question of Christianity, and all kinds of fun stuff. It's a, it's a good channel. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at AA Apologetics. You can search for Adhering Apologetics on Instagram, Facebook, and now TikTok, which I do not know why I made a TikTok, but I do have a TikTok now. Um, Congratulations. And if you want to support Adhering Apologetics, you can do so at patreon.com. We're trying to reach part-time funding. We're almost at 50%, so you can pledge as little as a dollar a month, and it goes a long ways. But that's it for everyone. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you, Randolph. Thank you for joining me. It was a great conversation. Look forward to talking with you again. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, of course. All right, everyone. See you next time. Blessings.